to the Coach B Show, your show for personal and professional development with expert insights and interviews to help you, me, and we work to be our best and live our best life. I am your host, Coach V. And the Coach V Show is set up to offer to you life lessons, success frameworks, and behavioral models to help you in terms of you considering these things to work to be your best and live your best life. Where iron sharpens iron, together we rise. Welcome to everybody and thank you for tuning in to the Coach V Show. Today we just have an awesome guest that I crossed paths with just doing my community service and being a community servant, really. People call me a community leader. I really feel that, really. I'm a community servant. Cross paths with this cat, came to our golf tournament uh, four years ago, and we've been together ever since. Our guest today on the Coach V Show is Mr. Darius Turner. Played fullback for the University of Washington, won a national championship the 91-92 season, beating, I believe, uh, my man Desmond Howard was on that Washington team, I do believe, and we're going to yep. go over that. And then he was drafted in the sixth round, and then he played for the Kansas City Chiefs, the New Orleans Saints, and the Houston Oilers as a fullback. Founder of the Darius <clears throat> Turner Foundation uh, to provide an avenue for youth to learn and practice the mental and physical skills necessary to succeed in life. And the host of Bigger Than Sports Youth Football Camps. Darius is currently a State Farm insurance agent. When you see this cat, right, when you, and we break this dude down, he could probably do the State Farm commercials that we all see during <laughs> the Super Bowl and all that. This cat looks like he could still play and also is involved with TMT Motors, LLC. Coach V family, welcome to the show, Mr. Darius Turner. DT, thanks for coming on the show, brother. Thanks for having me, Coach, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Man, DT, break this down. I mean, you've been here in Cal for in Cali for a while, married, kids, entrepreneur. You're doing all kind of things. And I meet you. You got a, a foundation going. But let's just start with a Darius Turner's Genesis Point. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Let's make sure the audience knows who Darius Turner is. So uh, I was born in Mississippi, man, in 1970. Um Grew up in a town called Greenville. It's the second largest city in the state, but it is definitely a country town. Right. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Django. I uh, have. Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Where uh, Django's wife was being kept. Mm -hmm. That's Greenville. Okay. So that's where I'm, I'm from a slave hub. Right. Yeah, so um, I grew up there, lived there till I was seven. You know, I saw my parents, you know, I actually remember my mom actually having to go pick cotton. Mm. Like literally a bus would come to the corner and pick up, you know, any black folks that wanted to work. You know, $21 a day, you go pick some cotton. That's how they made their money back then. Your mom? Mom, yeah, I had mom, uncles. Uh, yeah, they literally would pick cotton for $21 a day. Um, uh, at age seven, I moved to Los Angeles with my dad to Inglewood, California, and um, went to elementary there. This my sixth grade year. I went back to Mississippi, lived with my mom for a year because I just you know I've been with my dad that all that time. So oh, let me go back and live with my mom for a little while. 
Okay. And I came back and we were living in Bellflower. I went to um, a school called Mayfair and Bellflower. And then we ended up moving to Downey where I went to West Middle School at. And um, I only played maybe a half of a year of any organized football before I ever got to high school. I wow. never played Pop Warner like a half of a year. You know, I got, I signed up late, played three or four games. Um, so when I got to Warren to try out for the freshman football team, I didn't even remember how to put on pads or where thigh pads go or knee pads. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. I remember the wow. helmet just giving me this crazy headache. I'm like, oh man, this stuff is awful. Um, and then it, I just, it just clicked. Like I started to enjoy the physicality of it. Um, I started to, I don't know how to explain it, man. It's like, you get to kind of impose your will on another dude. Right, right, right. You don't go to jail for it. Like, (laughs) and this is like, I can, you know, I can see it. it, it's, It's not even in the scoreboard all the time. Right. It's. You look at me, I look at you, and you know who Buck got kicked. Regardless right. of who won the game, right, right. you and I know, between the two of us and the few times we battled, whose butt got kicked. And I, I enjoyed winning those one-on-one battles. Uh, mm. So I actually, believe, believe it or not, I played quarterback my freshman year. Wow. Yes. <laughs> And so they moved me up to varsity my sophomore year, man. And um, I, I just, there was, I didn't feel overwhelmed at all. Right. And so I, you know, I played, coming into high school, I played, you know, football, uh, basketball, baseball, and track. Right. After my freshman year, I realized I couldn't hit a curveball to save my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No more baseball. So sophomore year after my football season, I was playing basketball. And uh, I remember we were playing against John Muir uh, in Pasadena in a playoff Yeah. Game. Let me back up the week before, I think we played against Sydney Valley, a dude named uh, Don McClain or Sean McClain. He played at UCLA, played in the league for a while. Yeah. He, he dropped like 42 on me. Right, 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 right. AC Augman dunked on me so hard, the rim is probably still shaking. <laughs> and there was nothing I could do. Like, I couldn't tackle him. I, I couldn't. I didn't have those kind of hops. Right. So, like, enough with this foot, this basketball stuff. So, my junior year, it was just football and track. And I got invited to the Sunkiss Invitational, which is, you know, you got to be pretty, pretty good in track to, to get invited to this. <clears throat> And I was running the 200. I ran my personal best. And I don't remember what it was at that time, but it was a PR. Right. This wasn't in the finals. This was a heat. Right. And I came in third. (laughs) Right, right, right. So I was like, man, you know, I'm 200. At this point, I was 225 playing running back in 1988. Right. And so I was like, I'm done with this track stuff. I focused on football my senior year. Um, was God, I, I probably was on any, every all American list that you could be on, on both sides of the ball. Whether wow. Uh, what did you play on defense? Linebacker. Right. Yeah. So I was linebacker and fullback, uh, uh Kodak, all American linebacker, Kodak, all American 
uh, full running back, USA Today, prep, All-American, best in the West, um, press telegram, best in the West, played in the Shrine game, where it's the top cats from Northern Cal against the top from Southern Cal. You know, on our team, on that all-star team, I had Mark Brunel, Lincoln Kennedy, myself. They ended up being your teammates. Yes. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So we were, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were all on that same all-star team together. And then, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure where I wanted to go. I, right. I, I, didn't, I didn't even keep up with college football when I was in high school. I only watched NFL. So I didn't know anything about anything with college football, to be honest with you, until I was a senior. And uh, my senior year, my first game, man, I got, matter of fact, how ironic is this? The team that beat us, guess who their star running back was? Eric Bieniemy. EB. EB was a Bishop Was he at Bishop Amont? Bishop Amont or Bishop Montgomery. I was getting confused. Yeah, I think EB is from Bishop Amont. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we used to call him Scooter B back then. And uh, they tore us up. I had five yards on 10 carries, coach. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so EB EB just got into his second Super Bowl in a row, being the offensive coordinator at at Kansas City, right? Uh Uh-huh. And um, so my connection with him goes all the way back there. Um, And throughout the – then as the season progressed, I just – you know, we had a game against Ganesha. I think I had, got 15, 16 carries, 295 yards, three touchdowns, 17 tackles, two picks. One game. Was that Dana Hall's uh, senior year? Yep. It sure was. Yes. Yes. Oh, no. It was after Dana had left, I think. No, because Dana's a year older than me. Okay, I got you. There was a – he had left, but he did – he came from Ganesha. Why you do Um, my alma mater like that, D? That was your – Yeah, I'm from Ganesha, baby. (laughs) He was an outside backer. I don't know why I never saw him in college. His name was Aaron or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He was a beast, bro. Was he? Oh, my God. I think he was like number 95 or something, but he was not to be played with. He brought heat. Huh. Um, so I was, you know, go through the whole recruiting process. Um, I had made up my mind. I didn't want to go to school at this point. Now I'm starting to get the accolades and letters. I'm like, you know, not panicking anymore. And so I made up my mind. I wasn't going to stay in California, mm-hmm. uh, UCLA and USC, um, did everything under the sun. They had OJ call my house. I was invited to UCLA practices, you know, when Troy Aikman, Ken Norton, Gaston Green were there. Um, I mean, you know, they did, they threw out all the stops. I was just, you know, I want to be away from home, but not too far away. Like I didn't, Notre Dame recruited me, University of Miami. I just didn't want to go that far away. Right, right. So I didn't know where I wanted to go. And I went to an NFL game and um, it was the Raiders versus the Seahawks. And we happened to catch a Seahawks wide receiver coming out named Danny Green. He talked to me and my buddy, Anthony. Mm. I was like, dude, I mean, like you're a pro football player. Like, where'd you go to school at? He's man, like the University of Washington. I'm like, really? 
I go, I don't think I got any letters from them. I don't even know who they were. I, I couldn't tell you what the colors were at this time. Right, right, right. And so I was like, did you like it? And so he just started telling me stories about UW. I was like, that's where I want to go. Had never set foot on the campus, didn't know anything about the school, but because this dude talked to me and that's where he was from, I kind of already was like, I like that place. So I visited um, Colorado, Canavis uh, McGee and the enemy were my hosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, I visited uh, University of Oregon. I think it was Derek Lavelle and another guy was my host there. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, University of Arizona. Um, I think Dick Tomey was the coach at the time. Yeah, they had the, that desert swarm rolling yeah, that time. They ended up yeah. beating us, by the way, my, uh, my senior year in college. I, I missed that game. Um, it was, uh, dude, what was Papali? Um, Sam Papali was the running back coach. He, right. Did you know him? No, I didn't know Sam. Yeah. No. Yeah, so he recruited me, and he it, it broke. It actually broke my of everybody else. It was easy to say no to, but Papali, it was just hard because he 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 gave it everything he had, and I just my dad wanted me to go to U of A, but I was like, man, I just, I, I like this place. It was beautiful on the recruiting trip, um, and you know I, I ended up going to UW, man, and um. The interesting thing about it was when you get there, the, the vets aren't there. So you're like, you know, it's just all the new guys. Yeah, yeah. So you line up for stretching based on where you are on the depth chart, starting at the like the 45-yard line. So the right. captains are on the 50, 45, 40. So I'm on the 45, you know, the first couple of days, first week of camp. The vets come in. Dude, I am back like in the end zone. <laughs> I'm like, and what is this scout team stuff y'all talking about? What's the scout team? I don't even right, know. Right, right, scout, right, what is right. this? So um, I would have actually, had I not hurt my ankle um, doing two a days, uh, I would have traveled. Now, I don't know if I would have played my freshman year, but I had made the traveling team to go play Purdue. And we had a couple of decent fullbacks ahead already there. But they were like, you know, man, this, this kid has some talent. Um and they just made a decision not to redshirt me. So I ended up redshirting my freshman year. Um, and then my redshirt freshman year, the guy who was the starter says, just be ready. I, I won't stay healthy. I'm not going to be able to stay healthy. So just be ready. <laughs> right, right. He told me. And sure enough, and so I just got my chance, man. It just, it wasn't overwhelming to me. Um, right. Here's the thing, the biggest thing I had to learn. And it, this was my first life lesson. So what people, a lot of people don't know about me is coming out of California, my senior year in high school, there were only four guys in this entire state who had more rushing yards than me. Mm. And two of those, I can't remember who the two of the four were, but two of them was Glenn Milburn and Russell White. Mm. <laughs> Other Ballers. than that, yes. So there were only, I was fifth in the entire state of California coming out of high school rushing the ball. And I didn't go to the playoffs. I only played in 10 games. My team didn't even make the playoffs. Right. So I didn't know anything really about blocking. So I had to learn how to be a fullback. Man, I carried the rock. I didn't know how to block nobody. Right, right, right. But I came there because the run, the fullback was the primary ball carrier. Where after oh. my 
freshman year, we get a new offensive coordinator. They go to three wide. They go to more of a scat back kind of offense and with a traditional fullback. And I'm like, oh, crap. Now I'm in a pickle. Do I leave? Do I stay? I'm not sure. Let me just, you know, try to figure this out. So, um, I, you know, I, I deal with it. And I'm like, oh, you know, I get a touch here, touch there. I catch it here, catch it there. But me and the running back coach, I just, me and this dude did not, like, we just, we just didn't get along. Right. And so I was getting ready to, we were at SC, getting ready to play USC. And I told my dad, I think I'm leaving after this year. I said, man, this, I can't with this dude. Me and him just, he don't like me and I don't like him. Right. Uh, period. It just, it just wasn't a good combination. He says, son, if you leave, you letting him win. Mm. So I was like, okay, crap. All right. You're right. So I'm not going to give him that satisfaction. So I never, it never came into fruition. Well, by a stroke of luck, the grace of God, I got a coach who's no longer with us named Al LeBan. Hmm. Al LeBan became the running back coach at UW my junior year. Al LeBan had coached Roger Craig, mm. Tony Doucette, Herschel Walker. He coached under Tom Landry. Wow. So, you know, he coached ballers, like legitimate Hall of Fame <clears throat> football caliber, you know, like NFL Hall of Fame guys. Right. And um, he was just a no-nonsense guy, and he was what I needed. And he kind of, I don't know what he did. He just somehow got, I got that love back. My back was killing me. I just, I had a bad back. And I was like, man, who? nobody wants a fullback with a bad back. And he, he's always, he's always called me coach. He said, coach, let me talk to you for a second. Um. There's these people out there with a lot of money, just bags of money. And they want to give it to somebody, coach. Now, coach, I think you got the potential to be able to take some of that money from them. Right. But you got to want that money, coach. Do you want the money? I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, coach. We, well, we got to get to go to work. And so he actually coached me. He, he hmm. really coached me. And um, we were getting ready to play in the, Rose Bowl, and I'm stretching. He comes over to me. He goes, say, coach, let me tell you something right now. I ain't putting no pressure on you. But he points over there. <clears throat> he said, you see that guy over there? I go, yep. He goes, he's here to see you. That's Paul Hackett. He's the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. So I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, show him what you can do. So I had a pretty good game. Sure enough, ironically today, the man who drafted me, Marty Schottenheimer passed away today. Mm. Yep. So um, through my after my senior year, I get an agent. Um, and I don't go on the first day, right? So I'm all there was a chance that I could have went as early as the third, but if it didn't happen in the third, probably wasn't gonna happen until the next day. So I'm depressed, man. I go out and I drink and I'm just I'm having a <laughs> right, real talk, right? Right. party. You know, I come home and he's like, you know, I'm, I suck. And uh, my phone rings about eight o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, hello. And they're like, uh, we're looking for Darius Turner. I'm like, this is he, you know. And so I turn on the TV, I turn on ESPN. And um, they uh, say, hey, this is Carl Peterson with the Kansas City Chiefs. We'd just like to let you know that uh, we're taking you 
with our sixth pick and, you know, welcome to the Chiefs family. And it grows across the ESPN ticker. It said, you know, Kansas City Chiefs are, and it blinks, 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 and bam, pops my name up on ES. I get teary-eyed thinking about it. So we go through that whole, that emotion. I talked to my dad, my mom, and man, it, it was just one of those moments, brother, that you just don't ever, ever forget that Everything I went through, I got to that point. Um, somebody like, you know, thought enough of me to say, I think you can be a pro. And, and I'll never forget this. Maybe a week later, uh, actually, I think when I got my signing bonus check, because it wasn't getting wired back then, you know, to your yeah, account. Yeah, yeah. It was a note from Marty Schottenheimer. And Marty said, you are a professional athlete. You're no different than a doctor or a lawyer, learn as much about your trade as they do. Mm. And it, I never forgot it, never forgot that. And so that's how I kind of approached it. Um, you know, man, look, I, I always tell, tell the kids at my camp, and I think you've heard me say this, <clears throat> the thing that this game has done for me, it, it's made me the man that I am, but more importantly, it's made me the man that I'm not. Mm. you know so it, it, it's it's a it's a humbling sport because there come some times where you get knocked down and it's just you got to keep getting up and it, it just it correlates with life man life ain't easy that game ain't easy you know I, I will be outside sometimes and my wife don't even know I do this sometimes when it's raining I'll go out there and I'll just stand in it because I know I can deal with it. I may just do it for like five minutes. Mm. Like I'm, I'm built for this. I'm 51 years old. What the hell am I doing standing out <laughs> in the rain, bro? But it's just, it's like this, like, because I can. That's right. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I can handle this. You know, I don't have to, but it's like, you know, Coach James always said, man, He's teaching us to live the Spartan life. I mm. never understood that until I saw the movie 300. Yeah. This is Sparta. <laughs> yes. Because this is how we roll. Practices were brutal. Brutal. The games were easy. Games mm. were so easy. That was like, man, we get to unleash a can of whoop. You know what? On somebody else, we tired of beating each other. And he was relentless, man. He was relentless. And, but it, it prepared you for life. Like, he was, uh, to, to, if you didn't play for him, it's hard to understand that he was the meanest, nicest SOB you ever met. Like, <laughs> that's me, oh, nicest, right, 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 yes. right. He knew everybody's name on that team, but you didn't want him calling your name during practice because that meant you was doing something wrong. Right, right, right. right. So it, it was a great experience, man. Um, I got traded from the Chiefs, I think, got a 90, right at my 93, ended up going to the Saints. And then from the Saints, I went to the Houston Oilers. And then it was just one day in the, 
pre, it was a preseason game. I think we were playing against the Cowboys in Azteca Stadium. I just felt something in my back just kept on. I had already had like some back issues that just kept tightening up the lower muscles. Um, and at that point, I think the, I was going to a physiotherapist and I think they were saying that I had compressed vertebrae, bulging discs, and the muscles along my spine had lost the ability at some point to contract, mm -hmm. which was putting too much pressure on my lower back. It, they, if my lower back wasn't getting enough blood to the enough blood to the point sometimes it looked like I had bruises mm. on my lower back. And um, we were in, we came back from San Antonio. And I just remember going to um, Jack Pardee was the coach. And I want to say Kevin Gilbright was our offensive coordinator. I said, man, I can't do it no more. Right. I just, I said, physically, man, I, I just, I'm, I'm miserably in pain. Like it was just, I, I just hurt. And um, it's like, well, nobody wants you to leave here. I said, I, I know. I hopped in my car, got on I-10, headed back to Houston. I was like, what the hell do I do now? This is all I've ever done, man. Right. You know, since the ninth grade until that day, I was a football player. Was no longer a football player. Um, I got called to the World League. Mm. And... Um, and you met Kimball at my camp. Uh, Kimball would come to stay with me during the off season when he was, you know, he was still with Kansas City at the time. Right. And um, I packed my stuff up, went down to the car. And I just said, man, I'm done. I'm done. I came back upstairs with my bag. He goes, we, we always call each other coach or pro. He's like, pro, I thought you were going to the airport. <laughs> coach, I'm done. He's like, what? <laughs> Right. I'm done, man. I, I, I can't keep chasing this. I, at some point, I got to get on with the rest of my life. I, I gave it, you know, a fair shot. And do I have days, coach, where, like, man, if I would have gotten that plane, what would have happened? But I have a good life now. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, you know, during that time, I had, you know, right before I went to the Oilers, I was at home visiting my mom. And, and you've heard the story. I think I've shared with you before. I was shot in the face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people don't know it. Um, I was shot in the face from about maybe six feet away. Bullet went in through here, ricocheted around. Um, had to spit out the bullets. That's uh, crazy. Yes. Ever since you told me that, I'm like, yes. that's crazy. <laughs> like, even if I, when I go do x-rays to the dentist now, you can still see some of the fragment is embedded so deep into the gums. It's just, you can see this real, it's like a white spot uh -huh. on the x-rays. Um, what a lot of people don't know also is during training camp with the Houston Oilers, I didn't have the ability to open my mouth. I would have to every night get tongue depressors and use them as like a, a jack and slide two, three, four, five to learn how to open my mouth again. Yeah, yeah. But the nerves, I had kind of like a locked jaw. So I had to, I, I couldn't eat like, get enough nutrition the way I needed to. So I was losing a lot of weight. And my the, the teeth, the nerves back here were so sensitive that if anything touched them, the pain that would go off in my head was debilitating. Mm. 
So now, but I couldn't bite down on anything. So, you know, when you're playing football, when you hit you. Yeah, yeah. So I had to have yeah. a special made mouthpiece that stopped here. Mm -hmm. It went all the way to the back. Mm -hmm. And they raised it up so those teeth wouldn't touch. So, um, you know, I, I get to get done playing football. I start going into the regular world, man. I became, uh, started off as an IT recruiter. Mm -hmm. Here's what's interesting. The owner of my company was one Stephen Bashati, who's the owner of the Baltimore Ravens now. <laughs> yes, I worked for his company called Aerotech at the time. And he was, there were, you know, he didn't have anything to do with the Ravens or any of that stuff, but we would have to go to Baltimore to train. Um, and then, you know, some years later, I'm like, dude, that was my boss. Like, the, I worked for that guy. So um, as time went on, I, I started to move up, man. And what's interesting, I started to learn that a lot of companies like athletes because of our training, our selflessness, our, our mindset is just kind of different. And for a long time, man, long time, um, you would have never seen anything related to football in my house, nothing. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I didn't, I was like, hey, you know, I didn't want to be known as a football player, you know, because and this is me, the young me, trying to prove that I'm I'm not just a football player, right? Right, 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 right. So I wouldn't have anything in my house. I didn't, you know, I didn't like when people tried to use a work analogy in a football term. I'm like, dude, I can understand regular analogies. You don't have yeah, to right, 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 football, right. right? And then I start to say, you know what? Maybe I'm, I'm going about this wrong, man. Maybe I am a football player, but that's not a bad thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Maybe that's not a bad thing it, because it is, like I said, it's made me who I am. My habits, my, the way I approach stuff, it's foundationally built into me, which started from, you know, the first time I ever touched a football to the last time I touched a football. It, this has got me to be where I'm at. You know, I'm, I'm really talking about sacrifice, discipline, dedication. Every day, you've got to nourish your mind, body, spirit, right? So all those things over time I've learned and I started applying them, but I, I, I learned them through football. You know, because you, in any business, unless you're truly a one-man show, it can't be just about you. That's right. You know, you have to be willing to look at things that are bigger than yourself, What's for the greater good? It may not be what's best for you or for them, but for the for the majority of the folks, it's the best. So mm -hmm. me as a fool, I have to subvert my own like need to run the ball to make sure that these guys could run the ball. But the guys that I black for, the Bean O'Briens, the Napoleon Kaufmans, the Greg Lewis, to this day, coach, to this day. They'll be like, dude, every yard I got, I owe to you. To this day, they'll be like, there is no me without you. That's all I needed, bro. Right. That's, that's it. 
you know, I, 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 yes, did I, would I have loved to have played 10, 15 years in the league? Absolutely. But that wasn't my path. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I've, I've learned to accept what my path was. I'll never forget, man. I was telling this story about how I, you know, about me being shot to some kids in Stockton. <clears throat> and when I went to the, after I came out of the hospital, I was in uh, trying to avoid the media at my mom's house and all that, because it's a small town and that stuff spreads fast. I had just got done working out with Jerry Rice, by the way. Right, right, right. Yes. So um, there's this old man at the store. And I was at a Kroger's grocery store in Mississippi getting at the, in the you know, getting uh, some medical prescriptions for my right. for the pain. And he looks at me as the only a, the only way an old man in the South can. He said, son, ain't you that boy that played ball? I said, yes, sir. He said, didn't you get shot? I said, yes, sir. Right. I said, son, let me see your face. And I turned. He said, boy, God spared your life for a reason. Mm. He said, you got a purpose in this world. You better figure out what it is. But when I left there, I was like, man, football is my purpose. But I got to the point, I was just becoming miserable. I was in too much pain. So this little girl, I don't know who she is right now. I, I didn't get her name. But that day, coach, she said, can I ask a question? I was like, absolutely, sweetie, go ahead. She goes, have you figured out what your purpose is? Mm. <laughs> wow, I think I just did. I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I tried to ask people to let me help. Nobody would offer up any help. I would say, hey, I just want to help. But what do, you, what, what, what do you want in return? I don't want anything in return. I just want to help. Very few people took me up on it. And um, we were vacationing and it was just me and some brothers on a boat and we were just talking about, man, where we were, where we starting, where we were. I'm a dude from Greenville, Mississippi. I used to play outside with no shoes on. I've ate buttermilk, cornbread and sugar. I've had syrup sandwich, ketchup sandwich, mayonnaise sandwiches. I've eaten tomatoes out of a garden, just like an apple, right? I'm a country boy. I'm in the south of France celebrating Independence Day in another country. Mm. I wasn't supposed to be there. And so I said, all I wanted to do was make 100000 a year, have a super hot wife and a decent house. <laughs> That's all I wanted when I was growing up, right? Right, right. Man, I have blown the doors off that. Right. Said, but this time... I have to make it big. It has to be not just about me. That's where the DT Foundation started in the South of France, because I wanted it to be bigger than just me. How do I impact others? How do I get a kid to realize at age 20, what I didn't realize until age 40, that mm. learning to be a leader is no different than learning to run an out route. They're both skills. Mm. One of them, you recognize that you're doing the other one. Nobody pays attention to it, but it's a skill. Leadership is a skill. That's right. You know what I mean? Like, so you work on your craft. You have a craft of motivating people. It's a craft. You don't just wake up and be like, mm, I'll wing this. 
you know, you have a purpose. So football kind of, man, just, it is just, it's allowed me to be, have access to folks, man, that I wouldn't otherwise have access to. Uh, The joke with me is I'm an ordinary guy with extraordinary friends. Mm. (laughs) You know, uh, I get to go places and see people, you know, meet people like yourself uh, because of football. You know, to this day, you know, and you know this as well as I do. If you meet another guy who's strapped it up, especially on the collegiate level, and I don't care if it's D3 or the SEC, there's a level of respect and there's a kind of a brotherhood that's unspoken. You just know. You just know. So it's been a great ride, man. And I'm Mm -hmm. being able to do the camp, hopefully, with this COVID stuff over this summer, hopefully, to get back out there with the kids. Um, but that's just kind of my story, man. Um, I love that. Yeah. DT, take 30 seconds and unpack this. Uh-huh. I mean, first, that you're a kid living in basically two worlds. Mm-hmm. Let's start there. And take 30 seconds and respond because I want to unpack this. Okay. Right? I mean, you watched your mom pick cotton mm-hmm. and your uncles. And then you're also coming out to the SoCal life which I know what the 605, I, I know the high school area you went. I grew up in Pomona, right? Uh, I know Century Boulevard in the Inglewood. I know Lennox. Yes. Uh, yep. You know, I know where Lennox and Inglewood is around Lennox. I, yes. I, I mean, I know what that's like. And I have been to certain country areas like Louisiana, certain parts of Georgia, Virginia, and Greenville and SoCal. How did that impact your vision and gratitude of seeing country boy, no shoes. I mean, because the LA life is all about what you got, what you're what doing, you who you are, yep. right? Can, yep. uh, can, can you get to that real quick? And I want to unpack a few other things, please. So, you know, I didn't even realize, I, I knew it was different. Right, right, right. When I got there. But ultimately, I tell everybody, I'm a country, I have country boy manners but i'm city smart yeah 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 you know what i mean so you hear me i'm a yes sir no sir yes ma'am no man but i i see you with my good eye i know you know what i mean i know where yeah, you're yeah. coming from so it's it's it makes me appreciate some of the things that are that i had back there even though it's the country when even when i go back home i wouldn't live there let's get this straight <laughs> But there are certain parts of that intimacy in the neighborhoods, the friends that I love, we just don't have here. Everything has to be, let me see your calendar invite or, you know, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Know, can we do a play date? My mom used to be like, what the hell is a play date? I go, well, mom, that's when my daughter and another, another parent's daughter get together. Right. She said, well, hell, that's just two kids playing, ain't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, we, <laughs> so we would kind of. There are the, the, what I do like is the people here were a lot more welcoming. I never felt that the racial tension. Mm, that's right. Because at age I was, I want to say, God, somewhere between, God, so 70, I want to say I was six years old. I was on my grandmother's porch. Some white dudes drove by in a truck and one of them hit me and I still have the cut above my eye. They threw a, a table leg at me. 
Right. Nurse, bam. And that was, if I got stitches for the first time at age six, because I was hit across the eye with a table leg by some white men. I've had white men let their dogs out on me and my buddies while we're fishing there. Right, right. Um, but fast forward, man, this is me and my wife been married now, I think 17, 18 years. Um, we go back maybe 10 years ago. So I tell her, I said, look, we're going to this neighborhood. Black folks ain't supposed to be here. So if you see me step on it, understand why. I ain't trying to get caught up, right? Right, right, right. So we drive it through the, this, this area. I say, oh, here comes the BS. I see a white lady in the front yard. She looks at me and she goes, hi. Right, say, right. What the hell? Am I on the right street? I'm looking. Right, right. I drive more. And evolves, right? Yes. I see a black family. I'm like, wow. So it is not as bad as it was before. Um, I love the California lifestyle. Yeah, me too. Um, you yeah, know, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I ain't going nowhere. I, I might not like all the rules and regulations, but I ain't going nowhere now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's awesome. And, and then what about now SoCal, your, your parade All-American? Basically, uh -huh. you're, you're a parade Kodak All-American. You uh -huh. have every option. Again, 30 seconds. Get, get to the point on this, DT. How, how hard is it? to know what you want and then choose it. You had U of A, you had SC, UCLA. I mean, freaking, you know, OJ called you. Right. And then now you choose to go to a place that, he, 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 you know what I mean, off of a conversation <laughs> with some dude in a stadium, right? And then so, like, you're going, this is, this is what I want to do, right? And then going up there and meeting all the cats that now I meet at your camp, um, uh, you know, Napoleon and Kennedy and, you know, all these guys that are now your boys, but you made a decision and stuck with it. Ooh, talk, talk through that. What's the life lesson of going, Hey, he, this is what I felt. And despite the fact that even my dad told me to go to U of A, this is where I went. How did that work out? It was the first, uh, major decision in my adult life. Yeah. Right. And, um, it was nerve wracking. But I just felt something here. And my dad, to his credit, he said, look, I don't have to be there. You do. Yeah, you're right. So that's that's where you want to go, son. Man, let's do this. That and so it became an understanding easy decision. father. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like, I ain't got to live there. So if you're the one who has to live there. So it was, he made it a lot easier with his support. So it, it was, I was nervous as all get out to tell him I didn't want to go. But once he was like, okay, it was just, you know, that was the first manly decision I made. That's amazing. Yeah. Right. Because ultimately what we try to teach all kids is that one, we all have to live with the consequences of our decisions. But the other thing is too, regardless of how the situation turns out, it's how you respond that really builds you forward. Your thoughts on that DT. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I tell my daughters every time, I said, look, it's not just about you when you leave this house. Mm. You carry the Turner name. Mm. <laughs> That's right. When I'm, when I'm on the field, when I was on the field, it ain't just about the name on the back. It's about the, what's on the side as well. 
Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? Because I got a family that I represent, but I also got a team that I represent. I got mm-hmm. people that depend on me to do what I'm supposed to do and act a certain way. So I've always felt a certain responsibility about being responsible for your actions. Always. It's mm-hmm. just kind of how, you know, I tell my daughter, for every cause, there's an effect. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You and know. then what about the selflessness now that you are one of the top four or five rushers coming out of high school in Cali? Mm-hmm. Cali has more high schools for people that are watching all over the country and the world is that California has more high schools than 13, 14 other neighboring states combined. Mm-hmm. So be to be in the top 25 of anything leading this, this it's like being a leader in the nation. <laughs> and then to have the selflessness to block with the cats that you had. I mean, you still look great. Prior to COVID, we bumped to each other in the gym and you, I mean, you still look, I mean, you're, you're six foot plus. Uh, How how much you weighing in now? Cause you used to be 235 back when you were in the league, right? So I, I ended up out of the league at 245. Yeah. 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 293 at one point. Right. So pre COVID, I was about 250 to 255. Man, I weighed myself the other day. I was 243. Yeah, I mean, you, but you don't look that heavy. Man. And then, but to be selfless and to be a fullback, a position that not, is now the H-back really in all of the offenses in college football. We just used a hybrid guy. So we didn't have to use a scholarship for, you know, a guy that's going to be in for five to 10 plays, right? Right. Uh, What's the selflessness that it took to go from the num- number five, four rusher in the state of California and now go up to UW and then they're going, hey, we need you. We're going to this spread offense. Well, what's a message that you could tell to people about that selflessness? Um, I, You know, in the beginning, it, it was hard. Mm, like real it. talk. Yeah, it, it was hard, man. But I felt that the guys that I was doing it with, they appreciated it. The coaches appreciated it. Look, we don't think we can be as good unless you're doing this. <laughs> we can have somebody else and you can go over there and run with those guys. We can replace you with over here as a tailback. We, we don't really have anybody to replace you over here. That's right. You know what I mean? So. We can win. Yeah, I mean, you hit that backer, right? Right, DT? Yeah. You get the backer, the tailback's running on the safety. Yep. Right? Down Come on. Like, real talk, right? Yeah. And Napoleon make one guy miss. I mean, he's he's out there. Oh. He's sitting in the house, right? I yeah. mean, that's how it was, real talk, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So the, that part, it, it became, once I started to realize that it was how important I was, I didn't need, I didn't need the, I've never been, I've never been a guy who needed the, the the press stuff or the interviews. It's just more about my team's respect. When we lost to U of A, that desert swarm, uh, I missed that game with a bad ankle. And I remember Brunel told me, and I don't know if he said it in the media or not, but he was like, had you been there, I feel we would have won that game because mm. we just couldn't run the ball inside. Yeah, yeah. You and then I mean? the type of level, I mean, because I, because Brunel won the MVP of the Rose Bowl that year you guys won it, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Then he's drafted, plays in the league. He's probably like, other than Brady, like played longer as a backup yes. or a starter than right. anybody else in the league, right? Yes. 
him and, and Rodney P. Kaufman. I mean, go down the list of these players, right? Because I know them, but I see them at your camp. Right. Wide receivers. I mean, I'm like, that's Napoleon? Yeah. Right? That's Marcus Kennedy? I mean, this guy's yeah. a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah. Is he? I mean, to, to have those level of relationships and to have that success that you had, then you also get called and get drafted into the league. You get to go mm-hmm. make money doing what you love, right? Kind of hone that in for us in terms of the sacrifice. Seeing your mom picking cotton, navigating a split relationship, mm-hmm. and then running track, and then just, just you know, never making the playoffs in high school, but mm-hmm. continuing to work hard. What's the life lesson, behavioral model, uh, success framework that people can take? It's like, hey, it ain't easy. It's just worth it. Well, you yeah, got anything man. like that? Man, it, and it, it's, it's kind of cliche, but, uh, and I think Tom Brady, if you go to his ID, just talked about it. It, it is, there is no destination. It's just a journey. Yes, the directional living. Yeah, I call it directional living. Keep yeah. going, please, DJ. Yeah, and so what I'll tell kids, let's say you want to get to the NFL, right? But let's say that's your goal. Yes, sir. Set that goal and forget about it. Learn to embrace everything that it takes to get there. Learn to enjoy the journey. Learn to enjoy eating right. Learn to enjoy working out. Learn to enjoy your teammates. Learn to enjoy watching film. Mm. Because those things, even if you never make it, all those lessons, all that discipline, you're going to be successful in whatever it is you want to yeah, do. Yeah, that translates, right, DT? It translates. it translates. That's right. Yeah, it just translates, man. And that's what I, you know, try to at least, I got two girls, so I have to be careful how I approach them because I can be a little bit like two in their face sometimes. And yes, my sir. wife is like, yes, sir. girls don't respond the same way as boys. Yeah, that's, yes, sir. So, I just try to instill in them the same thing. It's never about the destination. It's always mm. about the journey. Learn to embrace the journey. I, I enjoy working out more now than I did when I was in college. Right. I didn't, see, and I didn't learn to embrace the journey. Right. I, it was a necessary evil. It was an, a means to an end. Say that again. Necessary evil means to an end. I mean, you, we had to had. do The right. great ones... Wanted to do it. Yeah, that's right. And now we do that in our older age. Yes. When I think back, I hated condo. Like, I hated Mondays. Mondays and Tuesdays in football. Uh, You know what I mean? I hated. And, like, I was the captain. So then I had to be somewhere in the front. And I was dragging, man. Because I drank too much, stayed up too late. Uh Come on, DT. That's the real talk, right? That's real talk. But now we just appreciate the opportunity to get a great sweat, right, DT? Yes. Oh, dude, I just I worked out before I got on the uh, air with you, so I did like about a forty-five minute workout at home. So I like I don't have to. I I choose to now. That's right. And again, when I talk to these kids, man, the good ones they say work out. The great ones outwork. Oh man. That's some real talk. So, so DT, thanks, thanks first and foremost for really just being so transparent and talking about your journey and being real about, man, you know, I really didn't like it at first, but then I embraced it, right? Going through getting shot, sharing that your mom 
uh, pick cotton, but you guys have evolved and arrived today to where it is that you are. And I see you. I mean, you're blessed, man. Yes. And I see like you're always around your fraternity brothers. I, I haven't met all of them, but like you just got this fellowship and vibe. Yes. In that, take a minute, uh, DT. Uh, and just talk about, who, is there any shout outs you'd like to give out? What is the, the DT Foundation? What is the thing you want to get out to the world and say, hey, if you want to change your life, bam, this is what DT thinks. You got anything like that, DT? Man, so one of the things we, we, we talk about at our camp is, and I've mentioned it before, is sacrifice, dedication, discipline. You got to have all three. You can't have sacrifice and discipline, but not be dedicated. Everything has to come together as one. And people look to you as an athlete to be different because you are. Mm. Embrace, it. Embrace it. There's a thousand kids that could be out in here in this hot weather doing what you do, but it ain't. <laughs> right. It ain't because this ain't easy. That's and know right. that you are special because you showed up. That's Sometimes right. in life, man, showing up is half the battle. Mm. Be present. You know, even as a parent, sometimes, man, I've had to learn just to be present. Real talk, DT. That's some real talk. Just yes. got to be. My wife will say, you ain't got to interact sometimes. You just got to be present. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? So I, like, it's, it's just, you're constantly learning, man. We ain't, the reason these guys come back, you know, I think the last time we did it, Chris Claiborne was there, Buckets Award winner. Uh, Lincoln Kennedy, Outland Trophy finalist. Uh, Napoleon Kaufman, uh, 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 Don Willis played 15, 16 years in the league, O-lineman. Yeah. Uh, Campbell Anders, all pro, pro, caught the last touchdown pass Joe Montana ever thought. Mm -hmm. I don't pay him a dime. That's right. They do it because they were there. A lot of us never had the opportunity to touch a real athlete, to hear from a real NFL player, a real pro anything. So when you get those opportunities, man, take advantage of them. Mm. Listen, we, we were where you were at and we thought we knew. The, the old heads were right. And, you know, we try to share with you guys. So, you know, we expect you guys, those same kids, to come back and teach these next, the next generation. Real talk. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, DT. So now on the Coach V Show, thank you so much for everybody that's tuning in to the Coach V Show, where iron sharpens iron. Together we rise. We have brother Darius Turner in the house, Kodak All-American in high school, most recruited running back, fullback in the country out of high school, national champion, multiple Rose Bowl championships at the University of Washington. Shout out to the dog pound out there. And then also played in the NFL uh, and then had multiple opportunities to go back in other realms of football, but just decided to do what he's doing now in terms of being an entrepreneur, businessman, amazing husband, amazing father, and what he's doing in terms of the, his work with the Darius Turner Foundation. DT, before we get into the hot seat, we only got time for like two questions. How can people connect with you? Uh, your social media handles, anything like that? You got anything out like yeah, that? Yeah, shout out. Darius Turner Foundation on Facebook, you'll find us. And the same thing on IG. Uh, I think it's DTF Foundation or Darius Turner Foundation. You'll, it'll come up. It's, it's the only ones out there. 
So either through Facebook or, or Instagram, you can find us and just follow us. We'll let you know when we do our camps are coming up um, and any other activities that we may have, you know, coming in the near future, you'll be able to find it there. Just keep following us on those platforms. So Darius Turner's now on the hot seat. I'm going to say a quote or a phrase, and he's just going to tell me what's top of mind. DT, we're crunched on time here, and we're in overtime. So just get straight to the point in terms of what your thoughts are, please. When I say hashtag for the kids, what are your thoughts on that, DT? Exactly what it means. We're doing it for the kids. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, what about if I say, uh, if you're single, and, and you you don't know life struggle, get married. Then you'll figure out what life struggle is. DT, what's your thoughts on that, DT? <laughs> Hashtag truth. <laughs> and, and what, that, like, why is marriage so hard? Even this for people that are good people that are trying, professionals, people that have goals. Why, why is marriage so hard? You know, this is my $2 psychology opinion right here. <laughs> <laughs> that it's because you got two people, nobody wants you exactly the way that you are. Mm. You have to be willing to change some of who you are to accommodate your loved one. Compromise, yes, sir. Compromise, but sometimes you're like, but I like me like this. That's right. And the other person will like, I don't like you like that. I like (laughs) you like this. Right, and there's right, a right. fight sometime because that is it's it's changing, you know, and you're 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 fighting someone who knows every de- every weakness, every yes, they know sir. where to go. They know how to get you. They got your playbook. <laughs> that's right. They got your playbook. And <laughs> and that's all the time we have, yes. but uh, you can make a donation to both of our foundations for giving you some marriage advice. It's not about you. It's about yes. compromise, yes. right? And then really, y- you got to figure it out. And then for me, I tell everybody that's young getting married, they're like, Coach V, can you give me some marriage advice? I'm like, here's the number one marriage advice that'll help you and your, your spouse grow. Don't take anybody's freaking advice. Freaking figure it out figure it out because yes. only you two have to live with the consequences. I tell you real quick. I had a guy tell me two things. He goes, Hey, my uncle, he said, don't fight every battle. Learn to punt. Mm, real talk. And he says, here's a phrase that will keep you out of trouble. No matter what the question is, your response should be, let me check with my wife. Exactly. That's some, <laughs> that's some wisdom. Hashtag real talk. Hashtag yes. wisdom. Well, that's it for the Coach V Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in where iron sharpens iron. Together we rise. And this is your boy, Coach V, where I know this and for your consideration that it it is a must that you and I work to be our best and live our best life. And it's not just for the the point of achievement or success, but for the sake of being our best. In doing so, you realize the best of your abilities and that Everything that you dream and work for can be achieved. This is how this keynote speaker, success coach, Hollywood radio show host and author lives all about faith and family. Grateful for God's amazing grace from your boy here on the show, Darius Turner and your boy, Coach V. Until next time, one love, mad respect here from the Coach V show where iron sharpens iron. Together we rise. Peace.